as you may have noticed, the Covert Narcissism podcast has a new look. Well, kind of a new sound. You know, it's better sound, a studio recording. I'm sitting in front of a mic and lights and, and a camera. And, and my producer came to me and, okay, yes, those words actually just came out of my mouth. I have a producer. What? I've never had a producer in my life. This is crazy. But he came to me and he said, hey, you should charge for a second episode each week, you know, to help cover these costs, like a, a bonus episode, a patron program. And I went, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in my heart to charge for these episodes. I just, I can't. This is my mission. I want to scream it from the rooftops and spread the word about covert narcissism. So I told him, I said, look, we just, we got to find a different way. So you've probably noticed some small ads now in the podcast, and I really, truly want to keep this to a minimum. And if you feel like you need to skip over the ads, you know, that's okay. Just do. I've done that myself in podcasts that I listen to, but you know, my attitude about it's actually changing. And now I'm starting to listen to them because every little bit helps with these costs. And so I do want to support these podcasters I'm listening to. And that's just a small way that I can. But if you need to skip over them, do. It's okay. So instead of charging for a second episode, we're going to open up donations. So if you are finding value in this and you can contribute to our cause, please join us. And as you do, I want to reward you. I, I want to thank you for your, your commitment, for this monthly donation, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. It can be small. That's fine. Whatever you can do for whatever length of time, there's no obligation here. But I want to include you in this mission. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm working on a book and the title of the book is still in the works, but the title I'm liking right now is Grasping Covert Narcissism, subtitled Catching a Ghost. And if you can donate to our cause, I'm going to send you the first chapter of this book. I want you to read it. I want you to rip it apart and give me some feedback. To donate, just go to the top of the link at the show notes. It's nice and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. You all are a part of my journey, so please join me if you can. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. So you borrow the scissors off of your spouse's desk one evening, and you forget to put them back. Now, if you've been in a relationship with a covert narcissist, you know where I'm going here. Later that night, when they notice, they start in. You are so thoughtless and irresponsible. You only think of yourself. You really need to work on that, you know? I can't believe you aren't better than this by now. You just can't get anything right. Last time it was the stapler and now it's the scissors. Don't touch my desk ever again. On and on this goes. You find yourself in a long, circular conversation in which they tell you over and over how thoughtless and selfish you are. You clearly never care about their feelings, never have, and never will. You just do your own thing and completely disregard them. You are so impossible. Now, you have, though, spent this entire marriage working around their feelings caring for their needs, and trying to keep them happy. You missed on this one thing, and it's like the whole world is ending. You find yourself thinking, I sure should have remembered to put the scissors back. Jeez, I know better than that. 
But what's the big deal about the scissors? Two hours later, you're still enmeshed in this circular conversation, still defending your need for the scissors and this small human infraction. You are defending your space to be human and to have made a mistake. How can they possibly be this upset? Their reaction does not match the crime. You managed to get through the evening. You know now to never, ever touch their scissors again. And you convince yourself that life will be okay so long as you don't. Things get better for a few days. And then you commit a crime again. You ask him to buy a different kind of milk the next time he shops at the grocery store. What in the world are you thinking? The look on their face gives you that brief warning that you've done it all over again. You've set things in motion once more, and here comes that dreaded circular conversation yet again. I bought the milk that you asked for. If, I, if you can't get that right, this isn't my fault. Are you telling me that something's wrong with how I shop? You've been buying this kind of milk for years. There's nothing wrong with what I did. I can't believe you're criticizing me when all I was doing was trying to help. If you don't like it, you buy it yourself from now on. All you did was ask for a different kind of milk or for them to move the car or to pick up the kids from school. It just doesn't matter what it is. Covert narcissists go zero to 100 over things that simply do not justify all the anger. Whether the anger shows aggressively or passively, it is still there. It's still the same anger. Whether it comes out yelling and cursing or huffing and coldly staring, that anger is felt by you, the victim. They communicate that you have crossed a line and upset them, and they make you pay for that violation. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I want to talk about this anger, this underlying anger in the covert narcissist. Why in the world are they so mad about such little things? You borrow the pen and forget to give it back, and you're now thoughtless and selfish. You tell a funny story about them to a friend, and you are spiteful and rude. You hug a guy's neck in public, and you clearly you're having an affair with them or you want to. You ask them to take out the trash, and you're being insensitive and mean. Normal, everyday things that are a part of everyone's normal, everyday life. And yet for you, it leads to an incredibly uncomfortable situation with your spouse, your life partner. You are now on the receiving end of so much disdain and contempt you are put in your place for such rude and selfish behavior. I can't believe that you would treat your partner this way. At least that's what they're telling you. I want you to hear me right now. That anger that you are feeling from them, whether it's raised in intimidating voices or quiet seething and stewing, it has nothing to do with the scissors or the milk, and it has nothing to do with you. That anger was there long before any of these situations happened. You just gave them a reason to latch on to. Let me explain what I mean here. Covert narcissists carry so much underlying anger in them all the time. Where does this anger come from? Well, there's several things at play here that lead to this internal anger. One is control issues. They want to be in control of everything. And clearly, they can't be. No one can. 
They want the world around them to be like a bunch of puppets doing everything exactly the way they want. And they're going to move what they want all the time. So it's a constant guessing game. But it doesn't happen that they're actually in control of anything that's going on around them because none of us are. But for a covert narcissist, it, this leaves them feeling completely out of control, frustrated, and thus quick to anger. Another way this plays out is their constant need for admiration and praise from others. But they're simply not going to get this. It is not possible to fill them with all the praise that they require. You know, I became a personal cheerleader in my marriage. I actually got quite good at it. But still, it was never enough. No one will ever be enough to fill that void inside of them. So they feel neglected and overlooked. They're jealous of any attention that goes to someone else and thus angry. Their hypersensitivity also causes a problem here because it causes them to feel constantly slighted. They are watching for any glimpse of in injury, anything that, that just can tiny uh, little prick and, and can set them off. Their thin skin, you know, uh, surface that covers all this anger is just ready to fly off the handle at a moment's notice. I talk about this in an episode called Guard Dogging, and if you missed that one, go back and listen to it. They are just waiting for a reason to be angry. So now imagine living with this internal anger boiling all the time. If you can take a minute and just reflect of what it's like for this covert narcissist. And, and I tell you what, if you truly want to set a narcissist into, you know, a spiraling rage, tell them, hey, you know what? You've got an anger issue. Oh, that one will set them off really fast. That is one sure way to get them to lose it. And, and seething looks and spiteful words filled with anger, they will adamantly deny having an anger issue. I'm not angry. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Their lack of self-reflection and self-awareness is astonishing. So now imagine living with this internal anger all the time. You're just full of anger morning, day, and night. It never goes away because the actual problems are never faced. So you need reasons to be angry because if there is no reason for the anger, then you just might have to face the possibility that you are an angry person and they cannot do that. But if there are reasons for the anger, then you can continue to live in denial. And this is exactly what they do. You fixed the chicken wrong. Now I'm angry. You moved my pen. Now I'm angry. You took the dog for a walk without me. Now I'm angry. You asked me to scoot the car over in the garage, and now I'm angry. Each one of these quickly becomes the reason for all the anger that's inside of them. They will tell you that it is because of how mean you said something or the mean look on your face. Clearly, you were only setting it, saying it to upset me or to put me in my place. Covert narcissists take everything personally. They will say that you did this on purpose to hurt them or to spite them, and they go from zero to 100 on these small, trivial things in record time. It leaves you spinning. The real issue is not the individual little thing that they are blaming it on, but rather this underlying anger that is looking for a reason to exist. Now I'm angry because you did this to me. And it is time for us as the victims of all of this to quit carrying that blame. They'll stay angry on a topic for a few days. Okay. The milk might buy them a few days to justify that anger. 
And, and they'll just keep, you know, hanging on to that and they'll keep, you know, you'll, you'll see, you get the silent treatment for days or you get these little rude, sharp comments for days, but eventually it will wear off. And so guess what? Now they're on the lookout for the next reason to be angry. All along, it has nothing to do with the little trivial things. It has nothing to do with how you asked this question or how you said that. It has everything to do with that underlying anger that sits under the surface. It's like a volcano being covered up by this thin shell, this thin, tiny layer. And the smallest prick and the volcano erupts. And when that one settles back down, there's another tiny little prick waiting right behind it. And this goes over and over. This is one of those cycles that plays out with a covert narcissist. Please hear me. Their anger is not about the tiny little things. And, and you can try, you can make a checklist. I made a checklist of, well, I'll never do that again. I'll never move the stapler again. I'll never ask him to scoot the car over again. I'll never, you make this checklist. And, it, and my checklist got so long before I finally realized it wasn't about any of that. It was, there was always going to be something else to add to my checklist. This anger started long before you ever met them in the first place. I encourage all the people that I work with to brain dump. It's a type of journaling that serves a very specific purpose. This type of journaling, see all these memories get stuck in our head and we have to hang on to them because otherwise we'd think we were truly losing our mind. But yet when I try to talk about them to people, I sound petty and trivial. But, but I hang on to them because I, I would just be crazy if I didn't have them. But you only have so much memory inside that head of yours. So you move the storage unit. Put it somewhere. Write it in a journal. Type it into your computer. Talk it into Google Docs. Whatever you need to do to get these memories somewhere else. Because when I finally did, I gave my mind permission to quit hanging on to all of these memories. But I had them. I still had them. And then I can go back and look at them and I can start making sense out of this situation. So if you are not doing this, please, I cannot encourage you enough to brain dump these memories and get them somewhere outside of your head. Victims of covert narcissistic abuse often tell me that when they are describing these individual moments, they sound trivial and petty. I used to think that too. As the words were coming out of my mouth, I couldn't believe that I was actually upset because of the scissors and the stapler. But again, it's not about the trivial little things. And I have people ask me all the time, are they really that big of a deal anyways? When you are with a covert narcissist, everything is subject to becoming a huge event. All the little small things in life that happen are massive events, causing angry outbursts, circular conversations that last for hours, blaming, guilting, the silent treatment. All of this can last for days. They can't just be normal little things that happen in life. Everybody's life has normal little things that are inconvenient and annoying. But to a non-narcissistic person, the little annoying things in life are not major events. They're just normal little things, quickly corrected, quickly overlooked, sometimes even laughed about. To people who are not in a relationship with a covert narcissist, this is why they see the things as petty, because they are, they should be. And the problem is that they never reconcile when you're with a covert narcissist. You never reconcile, so none of this ever actually goes away. It's about, again, not the individual little things, but this underlying anger and the inability to reconcile because of this anger. 
me just trying to figure out how to ask him to pick our son up from a friend's house was a major event. This should be a nothing, but it was a major event. And the sad thing is I even knew it would be a major event before the evening even happened. I was already trying to figure out in my head how to approach him and how to say things right, whichever that meant, you know, whatever way was right, so that he would pick up our son and not get angry about it. Trying to calculate my words, and then I realized it and go, okay, stop. I'm not going to calculate my words. I decided to just ask him. And sure enough, we went zero to 100 in less than a minute. Everything became a problem all the way down to the way I answered where the friend lives. I can't even do that right. There is no room for you as the victim of covert narcissism to be anything less than perfect. And perfect is their view of perfect, which is a constantly moving goalpost. But now, yet again, I'm the reason that he's mad. It has nothing to do with his judgmental attitude or uncooperative spirit, at least not in his eyes. It has nothing to do with how difficult he makes it to communicate with him. So I'm always on edge. But it always, in his eyes, the anger always has everything to do with my complete inability to communicate. All the while, I'm running around trying to make everything perfect, trying to cover up all the little things that might make him angry, trying to anticipate all the problems before they ever come. Boy, that's an impossible task, but it took me years to figure that out. There are hundreds and thousands of ways that this tiny little shell around their anger is going to be pricked, yet here I am trying to catch them all. This is how you spend the entire relationship. Covert narcissists seem to have no idea how they affect those around them. Either they know and they're lying about it, saying that they don't understand or they don't get it, or they truly don't get it and they put no genuine effort into figuring it out. Like, that's the conclusion I came to, but you know what? I'm not sure which of these is actually worse. In reality, in fact, it doesn't even matter. If it's intentional lying, then clearly this person does not care about your thoughts and feelings. But if it's a lack of understanding and a lack of effort in getting there, then this also is a person that does not care about your thoughts and feelings. Either way, this is a real problem. You know, if I'm in a crowded space and I accidentally step on someone's foot, I'm quick to apologize. But not only that, I will now pay extra close attention to make sure that I don't do it again. But a covert narcissist does not put that effort into making sure they don't do it again. And in fact, they step on your heart over and over. They might tell you, well, I I didn't mean to. Okay, fine. But they didn't mean not to either. You speak up and you stand up for yourself. They may even apologize, and there's a whole list of fake apologies. But they put no effort into changing and making sure that they don't hurt you again. I've got a very close friend who's in a really healthy marriage, and I love watching her and her husband interact. It's comfortable, spontaneous, it's mutually respectful, it's refreshing. I recently asked her, what does it look like when you and your husband get mad at each other? Surely you do, right? She laughed and said, well, of course we do. I said, okay, what does that look like then? Well, she hesitated. And she said, hang on a minute. I can't come up with the last time we did. I'm going to have to think about that to come up with an example. And she struggled to come up with an example. I know we've had disagreements, but I really can't remember any. Wow. 
Boy, my list was a mile long, but this was her talking about her marriage that was just as long as mine, a 20-year marriage. And finally, she said, look, I can't come up with an example right now, but I can tell you this. For starters, the automatic defensiveness, it just isn't there. That automatic hypersensitivity, you did this to me, isn't there for either of us. We don't take things personally. We don't jump to that conclusion. We don't start from a point of being under attack. You know what? I think she's onto something there. With a covert narcissist, everything starts from that point. It's an automatic defensiveness, an automatic you did this to me, an automatic taking everything personally. That's where they start long before anything's ever actually said or done. So it doesn't matter how gentle you are with your words, how understanding, how compassionate, how thoughtful. It simply does not matter. Your words and actions will find anger because the anger is already there. So the next time you are met with that anger, please remember that this anger was there long before you ever met this person. And that this anger has nothing to do with you. It is time for all of us to quit owning their anger, for quit taking responsibility, to quit taking responsibility for it. Put it back where it belongs. That anger's on them. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.